Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On today's show, um, we've got our uh, Emily Miller from the Signpost joining us. Emily, I mean, we're, what, two weeks away from the end of the semester here? Things are looking good for you folks. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty excited to have a little bit of a break. About two weeks left. (laughs) Nice. Well... Wishing the best, you know, hope you guys finish out strong and then, um, you know, spring semester and then that's it. You're a free woman. Degree in hand. It'll be great for you. I'm excited. (laughs) Also joining us tonight. uh, Today we have uh, our another returning champion. We've got former Weber State coach Tom Stacker up to talk some football with us. Tom, you did uh, didn't didn't do too bad in the picks last week. Four and four. It's just okay. Not bad. Story of my life, man. I'm a 50 50 guy, man. 50 50. (laughs) Hey man, 500 ain't bad. I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping I can get through the show today because I am so worn out from all the drama this week. It starts off, my boy, Coach Raggle. He, he, he packs up his bags and heads out of town. Yep. I'm out of here. And then the next day, oh, North Dakota people are mad at us because they outbid us, and they, and we got the home game. And then Montana State, the drama over there, their coach can't coach on Saturday because of some issues. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about some of those issues, right? Because uh, yeah, my, my play a factor. So a lot of drama this week. Totally, totally fair. But yeah. then also on the show, what on the show today we have um the second appearance now on Weber State Weekly. We have returning returning former defensive lineman McKay Murphy talking to us today about uh, about a little bit about North Dakota, but mostly about Montana State. So, McKay, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you for taking the time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Good to be good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Good to have you as well. So, folks, uh, like we said today on today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about North Dakota, about how the game went in Ogden last weekend. Um, Wildcats get the dub over number 20 North Dakota. So we'll give our panel an opportunity to talk about what they liked, what they didn't like and who they felt the MVP was, including some of that drama that Tom was talking about with that bidding process and what that might mean in the future for the FCS playoff selection committee. We'll also, of course, talk about today's game against number four, Montana State, a familiar foe. Wildcats saw them just a little over a month ago. And uh, obviously you folks remember how that went. And so we'll be interested to see what might play out for the rematch today up in Bozeman. Once again, we'll also take an opportunity to not fly around the sky necessarily, but we're going to take a trip around the country and we're going to do our playoff pick them. So we will um, give our panel an opportunity to pick who they think the games will be won by, Um, you know, five and three, Jadrian and I last week, um, Tom four and four, Emily Miller. um, What'd you do? One for eight. No. Is that right? Whoa. We know I don't pick for strategy. No, one for seven. It's one for seven. Let's not act like I'm picking for strategy. (laughs) Well, she didn't put any money down, so it's all good. But uh, we'll give our panel an opportunity to talk about that. But before we get into all of it, want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, good places to find us. I mean, everybody's posting their, you know, their Spotify wrapped, their Apple podcast, you know, year in review. And so, uh, Hey, hopefully we find our way into uh, your own. And if we didn't find our way into your wrapped, uh, maybe make some changes next year and uh, make sure that we do. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then we have a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Appreciate our patrons and their support of Weber State Weekly. Um, we'll be trying to get you some more content. It's been a little bit busy lately, so we've got kind of a little bit of a dip. Uh, it's been very busy at work. Uh, I work in e-commerce, and so this is crunch time. <laughs> so, but um, now, guys, let's let's talk a little bit about 
number 20, North Dakota. So the Wildcats, um, if, if you didn't watch the game and you just saw the box score, you'd be like, wow, that was a close game. It really wasn't, was it? I mean, how did you guys feel going into this one? Because the Wildcats jumped out to a pretty good sized lead and it like, oh, okay, yeah, this game's in hand. And then some really weird things happened um, that kind of kind of worked out. And so give us kind of your thoughts. Emily Miller, I want to start with you. Kind of you know, your overall feelings about the the playoff game against North Dakota, in which, you know, the Wildcats survived and advanced. Um, I mean, we talked about it in the game day show last week. We felt like the Wildcats were gonna go in there with a chip on their shoulder and they did just that. Yeah, I did. think they proved their their position on should have, should have been a seeded team. And I, I think they're still proving that, but um, I, I liked that they, it, I was never worried. I felt like they had control of the game. Like you said, even when it was a close game, it really wasn't overall. I was happy with how they played. Um, was your, I'm so bad at remembering your questions, Colby. <laughs> All good. Was I mean, it, weird things happened though. You know, like if you yeah. looked at the box score, it's like, Oh, that was a close game. It's like, like you said, it really wasn't though. I had the chance, um, and I, I'm just remembering this off the top of my head, but I had a chance to go to the press conference, and I remember Coach Hill touched on that, and really the biggest deciding factor was that the the ruling on the field was a recovered fumble by North Dakota, and there was no what? proof to um, there was no proof to overturn that, so they didn't have indisputable evidence. And because of the ruling on the field, I mean, so for all we know, it could have been like what a 14, 21 point game. If that hadn't happened, there were some things that happened, but it felt like whenever UND scored, it wasn't because UND was doing well. It was because they caught the Wildcats slipping. So Mm. it could have been better though. McKay Murphy, what did you make of some of those mistakes, right? Because that, that weird thing happens where like they said it was a fumble and it, it was an incomplete pass. Let's be hundred percent honest. Um, and then, you know, the Wildcats answer. And then the next drive to close out the half, the Wildcats give up a big 72 yard run that kind of sets the the fighting Hawks up for, you know, they, I think they scored a touchdown in two plays. 27 seconds. I mean, as a former defensive lineman, like talk to us a little bit about how what the Wildcat fans or Wildcats are feeling going into the locker room after, you know, giving up one play that was a touchdown that shouldn't have been because of bad refereeing. But then the second one where it was just, I think maybe a, a mental lapse. How did you, how did you feel? And how would you take that? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I would have been frustrated. I think if I were a member of the, the team right now and going into halftime, knowing that we just gave up, you know, 14 points, one to a fluke, and then another to a, a pretty quick drive. Um, but it's tough because the, you know, the one play in question where they, they ruled it a fumble, everyone else thought it was an incomplete pass. It's tough because it's, it, it really is kind of out of your, your control to an extent, but that swings yeah. momentum and it, it, it impacts the rest of the game. And so it's, it's tough to, to really, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but it's just like, there's not much more uh, you can do about it other than be frustrated. Now the, the quick drive, that's just, you know, you, you got to stay disciplined. It's tough when you're in those situations and there's not a lot of time on the clock and you're like, okay, we're, let's just hurry and get this over with, get to halftime, readjust, come out in second half and keep playing. And so it's really easy to get, in my opinion, lax on those plays, but you just got to stay disciplined and, you know, 
especially when there's less time on the clock, you can't give up those big plays and, and let them drive down the field quickly like that. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a fun game to watch. Like Emily said, it was, there was some frustration and I, but I liked watching Weber state come out and jump ahead really quick. Like it, it, they didn't come out slow. They kind of came out firing on all cylinders. And then again, that, that one play threw them for a loop a little bit and it let, uh, North Dakota breathe a little bit and, 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 uh, uh, you know, put a little bit more pressure on them. But again, like Emily said, it, it, it didn't ever really feel like, you know, if when you're watching the game live, it didn't really feel like they were in any trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, still would have loved to see, you know, a, a much larger margin of victory, but I'll, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, Oh, this is going to affect rankings at this point. Like it doesn't matter. The bracket is set. Yeah. A win's a win. Dubs a dub. Yeah. Moving on. Right. Yep. Yep. Coach exactly. Tom Stackerook, how did you take, um, so the Wildcats played pretty well in weather in this one, right? Um, Cause there had been some previous games like the Sac state game, the Montana state game where there had been a little bit of weather. And I think it kind of affected them. Whereas this game, it didn't seem to, it didn't seem to be a factor really at all. Wildcats continued to produce. They did the things that they needed to do uh, in spite of the weather. How are you feeling now? Do you feel like they've kind of exercise that demon and that you feel confident going into Saturday today's game against Montana state that weather, the weather's supposed to be pretty good, but weather shouldn't be a factor. Yeah. I mean, Bronson had that, I think it was his second or third pass that nice post right down, down the middle there that was like on a frozen rope. So yeah, it was nice to see, see us playing a little bit of weather and, and catch the football and throw the football because like, like we've talked about in the past, those conditions that are pretty good, we seem to do pretty well, but then the two games where it was a little cold or a little wet and things, we can seem to struggle throwing the football. So yeah, it was definitely nice to see us be able to chuck it around with some consistency and accuracy, um, which is going to be uh, really important today. Right. Although it's, you know, the weather's cold, but it's not going to be wet and rainy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it here in just a bit, but I mean, throwing the ball will be key against Montana state. It was a key to keeping the wildcats in the game in October. So we'll see how things shake out today, but guys, now I want to go back to, you know, we've talked a little bit about how things went. Um, Talk maybe touched a little bit on how things um, shook out against North Dakota, but I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about whether something you liked or you didn't like uh, before we get to MVP on this one. Emily Miller, want to go back to you. Something you liked, something you didn't like. Anything stick out in your mind from the North Dakota game? Specifically, I really liked that Josh Davis had a day. Yeah, he did. He's had good runs throughout the season, but he had himself a day on Saturday. And I... It was just fun to see him play like that. And I mean, not only him, but Dante McMillan also had over 100 yards. Damon Bankston had like 60. I mean, I don't know how well that's going to do against Montana, but I I love watching against the Fighting Hawks. I'll take that any day seeing uh, those uh, those players get some over 100 yards, really. Yeah. So like you said, uh, Josh Davis with 129 net yards on the ground, uh, Damon Banks with 122, but then Dante McMillan, 64. Each of those had touchdowns, uh, Josh Davis with two of them. So really good day rushing the ball. And we talked about that last week, right? About how, you know, North Dakota State had really put it on the Fighting Hawks. They did a, a really good job of running all over them. 
would, and we asked, would the Wildcats be able to replicate that? A hundred percent. They did. The Wildcats rushed for 330 yards net on the day. So great day for the Wildcat rushing game, which, um, and I felt like the backs looked healthier, right? As opposed to what we saw at the end of the season against Idaho state and Northern Arizona, it felt like, I don't know, somehow the backs looked better. They had a little bit of spring in their step. I would have loved to see Chris Jackson out there, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, knowing we had three play and not a single one of them hobble off the field and not return. Right. Um, that's good for me. So I'll take it. Yeah. McKay Murphy. Um, a thing you liked, a thing you didn't like in the North Dakota game, something to shout out here. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of referenced it earlier. I love the, the fast start that they came out to just immediately uh, got the, the ground game going with those three backs. And, and I, you know, I, I hate to give the same answer, but that was uh, what I had jotted down right here was watching. I mean, it's been fun all season watching those three backs, watching uh, Josh and McMillan and Bankston run the ball. But um, I mean, I, I'm, pr- I'm probably a little biased because I, I was able to play with him for a short time, but it, it made, I loved watching Josh. It was, it was so fun to, to see him and he's, he's battled a lot of injuries just over the course of his career after, you know, his freshman year winning the Jerry Rice award is he's kind of always been dinged up. So it was, there were still a couple plays where he hobbled off a little bit. Um, but it was, it was, I loved watching him and I loved that, that, long run that he ripped off that 30 yarder was, was fun to watch. Uh, one thing I didn't like, and, and again, kind of alluded to it earlier, but was just the, the kind of letting them back into the game a little bit. I know was, there was still enough done to win the game, but it, it's, it's not fun when you're, you know, watching the other team creep back in like that and they're, they're getting some breath and they're, they're getting some life back in them. It's, wasn't ideal, but again, was still able to win the game. So although I didn't love it, pulled out a W. Dub's a dub. Yeah. Tom, what about you? Liked, didn't like in this one. How are you feeling about overall beating number 20? Oh, I, I think what we talked about last week about as far as what they ran on defense, as far as a, you know, twisting, slanting, blitzing defensive front to stop the run and how important it was for our offensive line to be able to pick up that movement and gash them. And that's what they did. I mean, I thought the O-line did an outstanding job of, of picking those things up. And when you pick those things up, there's some big holes in there. And I think uh, the backs did a really good job of hitting that. Um, again, the O-line did a good job of sealing stuff off. So I thought that was really positive. You know, my biggest thing is watching it is Josh Davis is, is a special kid. I mean, I watch him and I watch the plays he runs and I'm not taking away anything from our other backs, but he's just, he's got that, that, that deal where he knows he's got the great vision. And then when he has the vision and he knows where he wants to go, he's got that burst and the speed to get there. And he's got some power behind him where he can, where he can run through tackles. Um, Man, I would, I would, I'm hoping that he is 100% today because I think that's a great offensive matchup between watching our Josh Davis against their offensive powerhouse, their quarterback. I think that's going to be fun. I just hope Josh can play a whole game and be 100% uh, because he's just an awesome player to watch, you know, and, I, and I'm on the same lines with everybody else. I mean, 
Um, you know, you got to finish teams when you have a chance to finish them. You can't let them hang around. And it's tough, man, because, you know, you come out and you know you're better and you get up on them 24 points and it's like, well, now, you know, you kind of lose your energy a little bit. You're up 24 and then it's kind of like a couple things happen and now you're in a bit of a battle, right? So that made it a little bit tough. But, I mean, yeah, I like the way they came out. Right off the shoots, took care of business. Yeah, and when we talked to offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mickey Mental uh, earlier in the season, he talked about how that Josh Davis was his most exciting player. That's what he was most excited to do was sort of unleash him and let him, you know, just let him cook. And we've seen a lot of that this season. Emily Miller, an MVP in this one, if you're going to choose, who would you say? Um, ugh, That's hard. I think I'll go with... I liked the defense for the most part, but there was a couple things I didn't love. So I'll, I'll just go with Josh Davis. Like Fair enough. it was cool to see him do what he does best. Yeah. Two touchdowns. Like we said, um, 130, um, 129 net yards. I mean, good day. Really good day. McKay. What about you? MVP in this one? Uh, just for the sake of not repeating answers, <laughs> I guess if I had to pick an offensive MVP, I I'd hands down go Josh. Um, so I will pick a defensive guy. Um, uh, I mean, he's been having an awesome season and again, a little bias here from having played with him, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Winston Reed. That, that's my he, pick. Uh, Winston Reed. That's, that's my guy. He's been so fun to watch all, all year. Um, I mean, he had a sack TFL, a couple other tackles. Almost had so himself was, a pick. He did oh, almost have a pick too. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Winston. Yeah, that's a good choice. That, that, like I said, that would have been my choice. Tom, what about you? MVP for this one? I'm going to go with the offensive line because I just think it's, it's hard when you're X amount of sized and you're coming off the ball to hit a certain guy and all of a sudden he slants away. And then a linebacker shows up and you got to adjust your body and your eyes and your positioning. And it's hard to do. And I thought, again, um, I mean, there is just a lot of holes in there because the old line was able to do that. I mean, they were able to wall things off and hit movement, which is sometimes hard to do for old line guys because they're not, you know, they're not the most athletic guys on the field, but to do that, uh, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good. And it didn't, it didn't really matter what back was in there because they all had success. Yeah. Fair point that. So the Wildcats, uh, they take care of business against North Dakota in the first round. First time playing in the first round since 2017. They win this one 38 to 31 and advance to the second round to face a familiar foe, which we're going to talk about right now, Montana State. So the Bobcats come into the playoffs with a number four seed. Um, some people complaining about that, that they felt that maybe Sac State and Montana State should have had higher um, seeds. Um, I can see the argument because, I mean, they were definitely a good team. Sac State and Montana State did not face each other this season. So they did share uh, each um, had a share of the conference title. And so I also think, though, that the committee did it this way so that South Dakota State and North Dakota State would not see each other on the same side of the bracket. I mean, do you guys feel that way as well? Like, yeah, they're the four seed, but, you know, they're getting they're getting the South Dakota State side of the of the bracket. You know, not Montana State is not going to see. North Dakota State, they're they're going to kind of live on that. I mean, how do you feel about that? Or do you feel like they're at a disadvantage because they ended up at four? And that means 
that they're going to have to face the number one team. I'm really confused when it comes to the, to the whole brackets and stuff, because I think there is, I think there is a lot of that goes on. Like, you know, who's playing where geographically, what's the best matchup, you know, and all that, those type of things. So I think there's a lot of factors that, that come into play that we don't really understand or that look at all the factors that are, that happen in those meetings you know, and I could see that, you know, that they want, they don't want the two Dakotas on the same side. I could see that in different regional matchups and, and I don't follow it well enough to know how TV plays into it. And, and, and those type of things, you know, just like Montana, like let's, let's not kid ourselves. Right. Montana got in because of the draw. Right. I mean, yeah. that's a big part of it. So I don't know. There's just a, I think there's a lot of things that go on that, that we aren't, privy to that they put a a little bit more value in than what the common fan does. Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, I mean, I don't know everything that goes into how they create the brackets and and where they seed, you know, different teams and and all of that. But for me, I mean, my opinion, and I mean, I'm sure this is probably the same for a lot of us and a lot of other fans is like, I just want to watch, the the best football for as long as I can. I want to watch the best teams play each other. And if that happens earlier on in the brackets, then that's fine. I don't, I don't particularly care if, if we end up with, you know, South Dakota state and North Dakota state playing before the semis or, or even in the championship game, you know, whatever that's like, I don't care if we end up with four big sky teams as the last four teams, like it's great. It's, it's, I, I just want to see the best game. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like Tom's saying, I don't know everything that goes into how they're creating the brackets and where they're seating and where they're placing people. I know a lot of things that he mentioned come into play, but um, sometimes I wish it didn't. Sometimes I wish it just said, here's the best teams. Here's how they're going to match up and then just let them go. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, some, and people I, are, some people are calling for that now, right? Because regionalization has been a, a key factor. But um, McKay, you know, when when you were playing, the Wildcats took the trip to Chattanooga one year. And, uh, you know, that sort of flew in the face of regionalization. And they played the mocks in the first round of the 2016 playoffs. I uh, haven't seen a, a trip quite like that in the, in the first round since, have we? I got to admit. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, go ahead. No, you're good. Um, I love rematches and <laughs> uh, this one's got me nervous no the first thing i said when we lost in bozeman in october was i hope we see each other again in the playoffs and here we are i love watching it against montana in 2019 mm, i love watching it again i you know, I don't know. I love a good conference rematch, a good rivalry. So I'm pretty excited, but I feel like I've been able to learn a lot more about the bidding process this year. And a lot, like we've already said, I did not know a ton of what goes on. Um, I'm big on performance over pay. Personally, I, I think the team that outperformed should host, not just because we were state hosted, but because I think they earned that right. The players don't have control over the financial end of it. And I would hate to see them get the short end of the stick because of that. So I think it should be performance overpay. Mm. Um, 
Well, guys, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about rivalry there and there, I think there's something brewing with Montana state because now Montana state in the past year has eliminated the wildcats in the men's basketball tournament. They've eliminated the wildcats in the women's basketball tournament, and they just eliminated the wildcats in the volleyball tournament last weekend. Should the wildcats lose today to the Bobcats, they will have eliminated them in four different sports in postseason play in the last 365 days. Um, Man, if that doesn't piss you off, I don't know what does. <laughs> so, but let's talk a little bit about the team that we know because we've talked about the Bobcats previously. We talked about the the run game, which is continuing to be a staple of what they do. Tommy Malott had a, an absolutely massive day against the Wildcats when they faced them last. Uh, Malott ends up rushing that day for three uh, two hundred and seventy three yards on the ground. Net did not lose a single yard. Three rushing touchdowns. Like he had himself a day. Um, now they have Sean Chambers back who did not play in that game. And then we're hearing also that Isaiah Fonse might be back as well. And so I think the question to the, to the panel here is we know it's a potent run game. We've seen the potent run game. We know what they're going to do. Is it going to matter? Are the Wildcats going to try something different? Are they going to go back to just trying to contain Malat? Because outside of Malat, there wasn't a lot that really got done. If you take Malat's 273 yards out, we're only talking about maybe 70 yards of rushing. You know what I mean? So is anything going to change from the last, the last time that the Wildcats faced the Bobcats or is it just pretty much, listen, we know what that is. So we're just going to try and contain it as much as we can and we'll do it. I mean, okay. You played on the defensive line. How, how do, how do the coaching staff approach this when it is a second time seeing a team like this and knowing what their strength is? Yeah. Um, I mean, good question. So, so the thing that it reminds me of, uh, is, is my senior year, we, we had played SEU in the regular season and lost, um, they'd come up to Ogden and beat us. Um, playoff time comes around. We played Western Illinois in the first round at home. We got a home game. So again, exact same situation. Uh, cause then we then traveled down to SUU who had a bye the first round. Mm-hmm. And then got our rematch in and ended up beating them. And the, the two big differences <laughs> was going into that first game. We didn't just beat them now, that year. We broke them. <laughs> they were never the yeah. same. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Um, but the, now, now in, in the first game, Patrick Tyler, who was SU's quarterback at the time, um, didn't rush for, for near as many yards as Malat did in that first game against uh, Montana State. But we we still knew that he was a threat on his feet. Um, there, there was a couple times where they caught us with some draws specifically that kept drives alive. He was able to scramble. He was really good at scrambling out of the pocket um, and extending plays. Um, and so we and again, there's a few other factors as to probably why we lost that game. I mean, Stephen Cantwell got a concussion and was out. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we went into that next game knowing. Uh, you know, it was, it was, we knew in the first game that that was going to be an issue, that that was a thing to look out for, but it was just like, you know, dialed to, you know, all the way up, like, okay, we've got to contain Patrick Tyler. We know that what he's going to do. We know that he likes to, they like the draws. We know he likes to extend plays on his feet. So, so I, I wouldn't say the, the preparation going into that game was, you know, wildly crazy. And and I wouldn't expect the coaches to like absolutely split the game plan from the first game on its head because you take out, I, I know we'll probably talk about it, but you take out some muffed snaps in that first game, 
you know, Weaver wins. So their game plan worked out again, but you gotta, you gotta prepare for, I guess there's no way to really prepare for those, but, um, so, so I don't expect, you know, a, a vastly different game plan going into this game. I just expect the defense to play a little more sound. They, they know Malat, and, and I don't know a ton about Chambers. Um, I, I haven't been following him that closely, but um, I, I think that they just got to come prepared to play more sound football this time around, and it should end up good for him. Hmm. I, I think just one, I think one thing that one thing uh, that I wanted to add was it's really hard to beat teams twice, especially in football. It's, it's going to be hard for, for uh, you know, not to just write them off and say that that's why we're going to win. But Weber state knows where the mistakes were made and it was still as close of a game as it was. So I think Weber state um, uh, again, will just be more dialed in. And I think we'll see a lot more sound defensive front and, and, defensive side of the ball being able to contain these these quarterbacks in the run game fair points Tom Stackerook I mean you talked about last time about how um, they did a lot of interesting things a lot of pulls a lot of motion on the line the offensive line to sort of give Weber a little bit of confusion and you know sometimes that really worked now that the Wildcats have seen a lot of that you know they've seen kind of some of the tricks in the bag as it were with the offensive line like McKay saying, I mean, you feel they would be more prepared for some of that motion and ready to handle the East West um, stretch that Montana state wants to do to find holes and give themselves an opportunity to run. Yeah, I think, I think when you watch the game, cause I went back and watched it, it was really a poorly played game by both teams. Fundamentally, when you start to think about it, you know, the special teams play, not just on yeah. us, but on that. I mean, cause they, you know, we blocked, uh, we blocked the field goal of theirs. We had returns. They had some returns. So when you start thinking about special teams, a lot of times, you know, that's just a lack of execution, right? That especially on punt cover and kickoff cover guys getting out of the wrong lanes and things like that. It's not so much guys having great blocks, but guys getting out of their lanes, not being fundamentally sound, not fielding the punt. Um, and then with all the run stuff that you're talking about, it was on both sides too, because Montana state did not do a great job of holding the edge um, and getting out leveraged by us. And that's why we had some great runs. And then on the flip side of that, we were having the same type of problems, right? We were, we were dipping our head inside and then the quarterback was running outside and, you know, we were seeing different motions and I saw one play where our linebacker just got froze. He saw some motion and just got froze there. And the next thing to know, the quarterback's running by him, by him. Right. So as a whole, I just think whatever team, I'm not, I don't even think we need anybody needs to change their game plan. I just think they need to be more funly sound of what they're executing. And I think that's going to be the team that's going to be able to win this game. Um, just a simple concept. If you're on defense, you always got to keep your outside arm free, right? Cause now you're, you're, you, you, you're leveraging that play back inside where all your help is. And I saw both defenses do a poor job with that in the game where they were coming inside and the running back was out the door. The quarterback was out the door for big games. So I just, I think it's, it's not going to be the scheme. I just I think it's going to be what coaching staff can get their 
their their defense to execute fundamental football, keeping the edge, keeping your outside arm free, and making sure your eyes are right. Right, don't get tricked into the motions and all the the eye candy. You know, stay true to what you're supposed to read, and and and, and handle your responsibility. I think the team, the defense that does that the best is going to be the team that's going to come out a winner in this thing. So, cause they had as many problems as we did controlling the run. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's a fair point because the wildcats in that game, you know, we would talk a lot about, Oh, MSU rushed for 347 yards net wildcats rushed for, I mean, really, if you take out the minus one sixteen that they, that was lost on snaps, Wildcats rushed for 206 yards net. And so, you know, just a, there's a 17 yard loss from Bronson Barron from, um, from a couple of sacks. He got sacked three times, but really all the other losses are negligible. It's just Demon Banks and losing just a, a couple of yards. And so 206 yards, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, just a handful of yards, maybe 187 net yards on the ground. It's a pretty good day in the big sky conference. Yeah. And then, and then some of the, the yards with the quarterback with Tommy, a lot is that, you know, I'm not by no means am I taking any way thing away from that guy because he's a tremendous football player. But a couple of times our defense comes inside and he's running down the field untouched and not untouched, but like nobody around him for, for 10 yards because we came inside. We didn't stay true to our rules. So you take some of those big plays out of there too, you know, and it's just, it would be an interesting game. What I'm curious about is if Afonze if I'm saying that right, does come back just because you're back from an injury doesn't mean you're back from an injury. Sure. So I would be curious to see, you know, maybe he's going to have a great comeback, but we've all seen players who are healed, but not playing back at a, at the level they were. And I mean, he's missed, I haven't followed him, but I know he's missed the majority the whole season, the whole season. The whole season. This will be yeah. his first appearance on the field. No, exactly. And just because it's, his, I just don't know if he's going to perform and I'm going to be curious how that works. Um, what else I'm curious about is a lot of drop passes for Weber state. And that just has to be cleaned up because we know passing is going to win us the game in this situation. Um, but those are the two things I'm most, I'm looking for. Uh, I don't know if Afonze is going to be as much of a hype as people think he is. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously he's a very physical back. So if you watched uh, the game last year's the last game I got to see in person, the homecoming game against Montana State in Ogden. I mean, Afonso was a very, very physical back. But like you said, he's been out for basically an entire season. Uh, he's returning off of surgery. And so there's only so much that you can do, right? Like he's got to get back into shape. And so um, I don't know. Um, but I want to move on now and talk a little bit about the Wildcats and their offense, because the offense, all things considered, played really well against Montana State the last time that they faced them. I mean, the Wildcats ended up putting up, of course, there was some special teams play in there that, that was really impactful, but the Wildcats end up putting up um, 38 points and had an opportunity to put up seven more at the end of the game to win it. Um there was just some, you know, there's some phenomenal stuff. I mean, Abraham Williams had himself another run back. He got the Shahid phantom, you know, call last week, which is like, oh man, you better get used to that. That's the way it goes. Uh, but he would have had himself five, which would have set the NCAA record. But the passing game was big in getting the Wildcats back in for the offense. Um, like we said earlier, you know, talking to, to, to coach Tom Stackruck that there's not going to be a lot of weather today. And so Emily, you were just talking about, you know, that there have been some problems catching the ball. 
Um, I don't know. Okay. Uh, Murphy, how do you, uh, do you think that, you know, they're able to shake some of that off and say, yeah, the, the passing game is where Montana state is vulnerable. And so we're just going to pick up where we left off because it worked. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that'll continue to be, it's, it's worked well for them. You know, it, it seems like there has been, um, some, um, desync, I guess a, a little bit between, um, you know, the passing game at the beginning of the season and the passing game in some of these later games. Um, it, it seemed like there was a lot less drop balls, balls early on in the season. And, um, but you know, I, I think, uh, again, you look at the weather it could have played a factor. I, I think there's some really good receivers on the, the Weaver state side of the ball. I think Ty McPherson's awesome. I, I really like, um, I really like Justin Malone tight end, um, yeah. and, and Meacham as well. And there's, there's, I'm leaving out a, a bunch of really good receivers. I, I really think that, um, you know, I, I think they will be able to take advantage of them with the pass game, but I, I don't think that that means they're going to, um, uh, you know, I, ex- uh, I expect to see a fairly balanced offensive approach there. The running backs are all seemingly uh, healthy and, and running well. Again, Josh Davis looked really good last week. He, there's still a couple plays where he might've been a little iffy, but they're coming off a really strong week for all of the running backs. Uh, if, if, you know, hopefully the weather stays good and then doesn't play too much of a factor. I, again, I think we'll be able to see a, uh, a really good running game and, and passing game. I, that's, that's my expectation. My hope at least is to really see them, um, you know, use, use both aspects of offense to, to really take advantage of, of, uh, you know, some of those gaps in the Montana state defense. Yeah. I mean, coach Mickey mental told us at the beginning of the season that he was going to run a very balanced offense. And I think he's been true to his word. The offense has been very balanced, but coach Tom Sakura, do you think that, um, is there is there more in the tank for Bronson Barron and the receiving core because they've played a lot of football together this season? Uh, depending on how things go, could be the last game of the season. Is there more that we haven't seen from them yet that could appear today? You know, is there a higher level that they could go to, or do you feel that what we've seen from them is basically what we're, we're going to see from them is just about execution at this point? Well, I don't. Well. I guess one part of it, it's, you know, and we've talked about the drops and stuff, but that's, that's the beauty of, of sports, right? I mean, every, every, the next game is a chance to get better. Right. So, um, you know, what happens in the past is the past. So, you know, hopefully those guys come out with the right mindset to, to be the difference makers in this, uh, in this game. Um, you know, we, we, we can't forget the time McPherson is a second team, all big sky player. Yes, so he's, he's, he's a good player now. Right. Yeah, no, and you know, when him and Bronson are on, they're pretty dangerous. Yeah, we've um, talked about that so, fade that we've seen into the end zone a number of yeah. times like that has been absolutely money. It's been a little bit off lately, but I mean, there were points in the, in the season where that was money every time. Yeah. So I, I definitely, uh, you know, I see it in those guys. I see the potential. The only thing I think that really helps our, our passing game is I really think those, those little bubble screens, those little short passes to the tight ends helps Bronson get going a little bit, you know, helps him get in a little bit of a rhythm. Um, and I think that helps him a lot, but, uh, no, I mean, uh, as far as our passing go game goes, we've seen some great things. I mean, um, 
let's not kid ourselves. We've talked about throughout the season, the O-line won the game because they played really well. The D-line won the game because they played around. The secondary was, you know, every position group has had their turn of, of maybe being a, the factor in the game. And, you know, the factor in the game for the Utah State game was probably those fade balls, the receiving, right? That was a big key in for us uh, beating Utah State. So they definitely got them in them, got it in them. And uh, this would be a great day to see it come back, right? So yeah, that's but they have all the potential to be able to do that. It's a talented group. You got, you know, Bronson's a tough kid. He makes good reads. He makes good decisions with the ball balls out of his hand fast. And Ty McPherson is a second team, all, all conference player. And the tight end plays, the tight end play has really improved over the last four games as far as catching the football. Yeah. Uh, last couple of things on Montana state guys, before we go to our, playoff pick them. Um, you know, this is the question for anybody. Uh, if you guys want to jump in, go ahead. Um, but you know, McKay, you talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, there still is the specter of four safeties and the cost that, 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 that took on the wildcats in losing that game in mid October. Um, we saw Montana commit a similar penalty when they played cat Grizz just two weeks ago. Uh, and so there's like some weird voodoo at Bobcat stadium with, <laughs> Yeah, messing with long snappers. How much do you think that that's a factor? I mean, do you guys think that now Grant Sands has gotten that out of his system? We haven't really seen that since. There was one in the Sac State game, but aside from that, I mean, he's really kind of cleaned it up and he's back to his normal self and Wildcat fans don't need to worry about that. And that, that, will, that part of the game will be taken care of and it's back to business as usual. Or do you think that there's some mental, um, there's still some mental, um, stuff there that might rear its head again because same venue, same crowd, higher stakes, but um, a lot of very similar factors. You know, um, I think what's going to decide that is how the team supports Grant going into Bozeman. I mean, if they believe in him and if he believes in himself, I think that's going to be way more powerful than what Grant's prepared for. I think leaving that expectation because if everybody's expecting it to happen again, that's just more pressure on them. I think if they forget about it, it happened. We can't change it. I think it's just going to be any other game. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, McKinney. I was just going to say, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, how he responds. Cause again, hopefully, hopefully the weather stays, you know, it'll be cold, but, but, you know, hopefully it won't be as wet. Um, but you, I mean, it's, it's always fun to play in Bozeman um, because of their fans. It's, it's their, their, it's, it's, you know, it, it feels like um, it's a really hostile environment, right. Which is always fun to go and play in and then, make them shut up and, and, you know, beat the brakes off of them a little bit, but, um, the, it, it's, I, I think that from that game until now, he's been able to probably iron out a lot of those issues and have it not factor into, again, there was the one snap in the Sac state game. Um, so it'll, it'll, my, my take on it is, is it'll just be interesting to see how he responds. Cause you know, that those fans obviously have not forgotten what he did in that game. They have not. So they're probably, you're, you're, 
you're pretty close there. It's, it's not like Weber where you got, you know, the, the field and then the, the track and then the stadium's pretty far away. It's, it's, you're, you're pretty close and it could get pretty personal in there sometimes. So I, I think it, it'll be, you know, I'm hoping that he's, he'll be able to kind of block that out. Um, and, and we won't see those issues because, you know, again, that was really in, in there was a lot of things that could have gone better in that first game, but you take those muff snaps away. Um, the game changes drastically. So, uh, so we'll see. I'm, I, I, I know how coach Hill works with players. I know how he, uh, you know, he's not the first player to have had a tough time and, and make mistakes, you know, even though they may be repetitive and coach Hill seems to always be able to help these guys get on top and then make adjustments. So, um, so I'm hopeful that, that there, it shouldn't play a role in this game, but, uh, again, Bozeman's a, a tough place to play. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be, um, how, how is he going to handle the situation? Right. And he knows it's coming. Everybody knows what's coming, right? It's the fans. It's the, it's the D tackle or the nose guard. that's right over top of them. You know, he's going to be chirping in his ear and, you know, so long as he's prepared for all that and he knows what's coming, um, you know, I think he's going to be fine because fundamentally he looks like he's, he's, he's uh, worked that out, you know, just kind of watch them in the games. I mean, a lot of times what happens with those long snaps is as soon as that long snapper's butt comes up way high, then the ball comes up. Right. Right. So if he can stay down, uh, stay true to the fundamentals of snapping the football, you know, it's like swinging a golf club, right? You got you fundamentally, if you do it right all the time, you sh- you're going to get the same results. So he's just got to stay true to his fundamentals, believe in that, you know, block out the noise and he'll, he'll be fine. So, so that's all I need to do then if, to fix my swing. I just need to, you know, do it the same way every time. Well, you got to have it the right way. First, you got <laughs> to gotta get there the right first. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, last thing on this, guys, um, there was some news this week that Montana State's defensive coordinator, Willie Mac Garza, would not play. Uh, he was being suspended for one game for um, that was coach's decision. Uh, Brett Vegan decided, nope, you are not going to coach in this one. It came out later a few days that um, that was because of a DUI that he was arrested for immediately after Cat Grizz uh, driving 40 in a 30, uh, 40 in a 25 or something in downtown Bozeman. Um, not his first time. Um, and so. I don't know, guys. Um, some people are saying that his days in Bozeman are over. He probably won't coach again. This is the first game without their defensive coordinator, but it's also very late in the season. I mean, the defense, the defense probably knows what the scheme is. And so is it as big of a factor as maybe it would be if it were earlier in the season? Does it not matter? Or yeah, does it matter? Because when you're playing a good team and you need to make adjustments, you need your DC there. How, how much of a factor do you think it plays? <laughs> Well, the first thing as I think is when this happens, right? He's suspended. Let's 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 understand what he suspended him. He sus- my understanding is he suspended him for the game, right? He didn't yes. uh, suspend him for practice the whole week. So that's okay. two different things, right? Um, so the suspension is basically what it is. Is um, I'm just gonna. My opinion is it's for him, the head coach, to say, yeah, we're doing something about it. But in the head coach's mind, yeah, I got to do something about it. But what's the minimum I can do? So that's suspending him just for the game. So he's been in all the meetings, right? He's done all the game prep. He's done all the game planning 
and all those type of things. So what you're looking at is the factor of those adjustments, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to make those adjustments and are those adjustments going to be right? So I don't know who they have on their staff. I don't know how um, up to speed he is on being on the, I know they're all on the same page, but it's also a feel thing, like a gut feeling, like, you know, kind of knowing what the next move that the offense is going to make. So you, you got a great feel for the the flow of the game. And then as a defensive coordinator, you can make those adjustments. So that's an experience thing. So I don't know if they have a guy that has, has called defense before to be in that, to get into the rhythm and things like that. So it could be, it could be a factor, you know, and, and the other part is, is that person that's doing that, does he, is he demanding, does he have the kid's attention? Do the kids believe in him? Right. Kind of like our long snapper, like, you know, do our, do our guys, like if we have one bad long snap, what are our guys going to do? Are they going to drop their heads and go, Oh geez, we're done. Same thing that happened last time. Or are they going to rally and, and try and make another play? Same thing with the new defensive coordinator calling the plays. He calls the wrong play, calls the wrong defense. Of all of a sudden, we're running by them. How's how's Montana State's defense going to respond? Oh, we don't have our regular defensive coordinator. We we're done. We don't have our guy. You know, so those are some of the factors I think could be playing into the whole thing, the mental part of it. Yeah, I uh, I, I agree that that I think it'll it'll you know from a game plan perspective, I think. Again, I don't know what, exactly what the situation is. Maybe sure. saying that he is suspended for the game. Maybe he hasn't. But I, I yeah, don't know everything. Yeah, we don't. But, know. Yeah. but if if he did participate in practice in the game plan, then I think you know all those points are very valid. And, and again, but that doesn't mean that that how whoever is calling the defense in the game is going to respond the way that he would respond. The players aren't going to respond the same way that they would have previously responded either. It's it's. Uh, you know, I, I, ideally you probably put together a coaching staff that something like this doesn't uh, factor in too heavily to a game. Again, obviously you probably don't plan on your DC getting a, a, a DUI and, and having to miss a, a playoff game. But if it happens, it's, it's, I imagine it's probably the same way that you approach recruiting a football team that if, if someone goes down, you need someone else to step in and pick up the rifle. So if they have someone like that, it, it may not be a big role, but again, even if it's just because it's a new face and they're calling plays and, you know, it, it might affect the way that the players respond to some adversity. It's, it's, you know, as players, you're bought into what your defensive coordinator is doing. And if it's someone else, if you're, if your normal defensive coordinator makes a mistake, you know, you're, you're not too worried about it. You're saying, okay, well, you know, we, we trust him. We're bought in We're we're going to respond. We're going to drop, you know, we're going to make the right adjustments at halftime or whatever. It's a different defensive coordinator. Again, just to, to echo what Tom said, you know, you might not respond the same way. So um, it could go either way with this. I'm, I'm hoping that it, it affects them a lot more. Um, uh, and, and uh, they're, you know, we're, we're able to take advantage of that, uh, uh, but we'll see. It's, it's, it could go either way in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. One thing I'm curious about, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've not paid a whole bunch of attention to a whole bunch of attention to this coach, but I've heard a lot that this isn't the first time. So if it's not his first time, it's not Montana state's first time having to work with or without him and whatever he, whatever problems he may be causing. So it's really like what both the McKay and um, Tom said, it's 
it's really going to depend on the players and the situation during the game. And I we're obviously all hoping it's going to affect them, but for all we know, they're prepared and they're ready, especially if we're right or if Tom's right and he's been at practice all week. Yeah, fair enough. So folks, I think that that's the last word there on Montana State. Um, a familiar foe, like we said at the top. We'll just have to kind of see how things shake out and um and hope for the best that the Wildcats can make it past the the Bobcats onto the uh, the quarterfinals, which is not something they've been able to do since 2019. It's been a little while. So we shall see. But uh let's move on now to our playoff pick'em. Um first round matchups were fun. Uh, we talked a little bit about the you know the records earlier in the game or in, in the show. And so uh, now we're going to look forward and we're going to give our panelists an opportunity to pick this week's games because now the seeded teams have their opportunity to get involved. And I think some of them might be vulnerable. So let's start this off with Delaware at South Dakota state going, you know, the, the fighting blue hens taking the trip to Brookings to face the number one team in the country. Um, Emily, I'll start with you. You taking the blue hens or are you taking the jacks? Why are you starting with me? I'm not good at this. No. Okay, we'll start um, with Tom. We'll start with Tom and then and then we'll come back to you. <laughs> okay, you're in the middle. Jack rabbits. Taking the jacks? Oh yeah. Rabbit runs around a hand all the time. Not a problem. <laughs> I like that. Is that how is that what we're is that how we're uh, making our picks <laughs> yeah. is is just the real live matchup between yeah. The, yeah. the mascots? Yeah, that's uh, cat, cat eats bird. You know, I mean, I'm not going to use the same logic, but, uh, you know, South Dakota state. Yeah, I, I agree with you. McKay. I think, uh, I, I, and Tom, I agree with you as well. South Dakota state is very tough in Brookings. They're really, really tough. And so Delaware, not the best CAA team this season. Um, you know, they obviously played last weekend and so they were not a seeded team. I think that says a lot about who they are. Um, William and Mary ended up being the seeded team out of the CAA um, I'm I'm taking South Dakota State in this one. I think they'll be ready, raring to go. Emily, I love upsets, but you upsets did, don't but work it, in my favor. It cost so you a lot last week. I I just hate choosing the same thing, but I have to save myself. So I'll go South Dakota, even though I don't want to. Okay, she's Emily's taking the Jackson. Hey, that's that's totally respectable pick. Okay, now now it gets interesting though. This is where we're not maybe we're not all going to agree. North New Hampshire. Facing Holy Cross. Now, Holy Cross, in my opinion, took the Wildcats seed. Um, and uh, some people disagree with that, but I think that the Wildcats are a better team than they are. Holy Cross plays in a weaker conference. Yeah, they had an FBS win. They beat all their FCS teams in front of them, blah, 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 blah. Um, how are you guys feeling about this? New Hampshire played last weekend um, and they had a they had a good week. Ended up getting the dub, obviously, and then moving on. Um, Holy Cross has sat for the week. Um I don't know. Tom, we'll go back to you, man. How, how are you feeling about this one? You taking New Hampshire or are you taking Holy Cross? I'm taking Holy Cross just because I know how hard it is to get into that school. And I know what the GPA is requirement. So I'm going with the GPA Holy Cross. Okay. <laughs> Tom's, taking, Tom's taking HC. That's fine. That's fine. I'm going academic on this one. I'm going okay. Holy Cross. Yeah. Academics. You know, it's the same thing for Cal Poly and that's, uh, you know, that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just because uh, I mean it's a good, yeah. Um, McKay, what about you? You taking Holy Cross or you taking New Hampshire, who um, won a thriller last weekend against Fordham? Yeah, you know, uh, wow, I'm offense. going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little bias in this one. Uh, New Hampshire's mascot is also, also Wildcats. Wildcat. Yep. So uh, I'm making this hold pick on, solely on, on that. 
Hold it, hold it. Holy <laughs> Cross is color. What color is Holy Cross? They're purple. Uh, They're purple. It's purple. <laughs> I've already said I've already said New Hampshire, so I gotta stick with New Hampshire. Going with UNH. I also am taking UNH. I don't believe in Holy Cross. They're gonna have to prove it to me. New Hampshire put up 52 on Fordham. You can say, well, Fordham has a bad defense, blah, 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 blah. So does Holy Cross. Holy Cross and Fordham, you know, they played an absolute shootout in the regular season. Um, they don't have a great defense either. And so I think that they're very similar opponents. New Hampshire came out on top last week. I'm taking New Hampshire. Emily? So if we're going to compare Holy Cross and Weber, it's hard for anybody to say they're better than Weber, specifically in this situation. And it's going to be the argument that Weber's in the big sky. The big sky is a far harder conference. And because of that, you know, that's what I'm screaming. That's really the argument when it comes down to it. If you're just looking at the two and because of that, I don't know. I'll do New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, we'll see. The wise choice, in my opinion, taking New Hampshire, because I don't believe in Holy Cross. Next up um, on our docket here, I've got, ooh, interesting one. Montana taking the trip to Fargo, taking on the Bison and of North Dakota State in Fargo. Um, not the same Bison team of, of old, of recent memory. Tom, how are you feeling about this one? The Grizz came alive in the second half last week against SEMO. Put up uh, like 30-something un- unanswered to get back in the game. I don't know, man. Easy, easy. The Bison. Taking the Bison, I, okay. I've seen how the Bison ran the ball against uh, North Dakota. I've seen how the Wildcats ran the ball against North Dakota. And I saw how we ran the ball against Montana. So I think the Bisons are just going to be able to run the ball up and down the field. And it's a hard place to play in that place, man. Yeah, it it's is, hard yeah. to play in there. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that they, what is it like? They haven't lost a playoff game and a home playoff game in so many years or whatever. Anyway, McKay, how about you, man? I mean, you've, I think McKay, you played in the Fargo Dome, didn't you? In your career, did you get so the chance? I, I didn't. I actually oh, that year was the I, I played them when they came to Ogden. Okay. Um, with with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, the next year, uh, I was out with a torn ACL, so I did ah. not play. I did not make the trip. Um, but regardless, um, I, I still know it's a hard place to play. And I know, you know, North Dakota state, they're still North Dakota state, even though they may not be the same North Dakota state. So I'm going to go with North Dakota state. I just said North Dakota state, like six times. It feels like, um, drink <laughs> because, uh, and, and I, I mean, I'll say I, I do not like Montana. So I, Fair don't, it, I don't, I, I think he, Montana could have been the seeded team and I still would have picked North Dakota state to, to win this one. Yeah. I don't think anybody on this panel does. So you are in good company. <laughs> Emily Miller. What about you? The bison? Oh, is? The biggest thing I respect about the States, like North, the, the, the Dakotas, Montana is like the only thing they have is college sports. And I have to credit them for being such dedicated fans so I'm really intrigued about how many Grizz fans are going to be traveling to North Dakota State. And I think it might be a close game, but regardless, it's probably going to be the Bison. Okay. But I'm curious to see. I think it will be a closer game than anticipated. I think Montana might pull something. They might pull something. I think it depends on Lucas Johnson. If Lucas Johnson has himself a, a decent game like he did last weekend, 
um, pulls it out. Yeah, maybe. But I, I agree with Tom. I think the Bison are going to run all over them. And uh, that's exactly what Weber State did against them. So I don't care that they have the number one run defense in the conference. You know, Weber State ran all over them. Montana State ran all over them. North Dakota State's going to run all over them. Next up, um, Southern Louisiana beat Idaho last weekend and get the opportunity to play the SoCon champ, Sanford. How you guys feeling here? Sanford. Tom, Tom taking Sanford? Yeah. I don't know too much about either of these teams. Um, uh, SLU, high-flying offense. Sanford, much more stout team. I'm going to go SLU. Okay, I'm going to take the high-flying offense over... Uh, don't don't have any inkling as to why, but that's, that's what I'm picking. McKay smells an upset. Emily Miller, how about you? If I remember correctly, the SLU game was close against Idaho. Yeah, it was. For most of it, yeah. Because of that, in their high-flying offense, I think it's going to be Samford because I think that was too close to the game to go against... Um, Sanford and play well. Yeah. I mean, Sanford, they had a, they had a great run in the SoCon this year. SoCon honestly could have gotten four teams in. They could have got themselves Furman, um, Chattanooga and, um, what was the fourth one? I, I forgot. Anyway, they had four really top teams and, you know, Sanford came out on top of those. Um, next up Gardner Webb at William and Mary Gardner Webb. Do you have something, Tom, do you get something you want to share? Nope, I didn't. I'm oh, good. okay, okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, sorry. So we'll uh, we'll go with um, Gardner w- Gardner Webb versus uh, William and Mary. I mean, William and Mary, you know, quote unquote, the CAA, you know, champ. Um, Gardner Webb absolutely put it on East Kentucky, which was an upset. I did not take East uh, Gardner Webb in that one. William and Mary has a much more formidable defense. How are you feeling about this one, Tom? Man. All I know is about William and Mary is we've played there. So I know what they're all about. I'm going to go with William and Mary. Okay. okay. William and Mary. That's uh that's the uh, tribe, right? They're the tribe. Yep. That I'm going tribe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, another school with high academic standards, Tom, <laughs> and a price tag to go with it. The most expensive school in the country. Emily Miller. What about you? These are two teams and schools I know nothing about. Um, so I'll go Gardner Webb because they haven't picked them. Okay, she wants the upset. Okay. Next up, guys, I've got Furman at Incarnate Word. Mm, interesting matchup here. <laughs> Incarnate Word, once again, high flying offense, but Furman a much more stout team. But here's the thing Furman's strength is. They're, they have a great run defense. Incarnate Word does not run the ball. They throw it. Uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. has been absolutely phenomenal. I think he should win the Walter Payton Award. He may not, but I think he should. Uh, his numbers are better than Eric Berrier's last year. Uh, if you want to get an idea of who Lindsey Scott is. And Furman doesn't defend well against throwing the ball. So with that said, Tom. Furman. You think Furman anyway. <laughs> all right, Tom. You couldn't talk me out of it. You didn't talk me out of it. All right, all right. McKay, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm using a, a lot of logic and reason to make my picks. If you guys haven't noticed, very much so. Uh, Stakes are low. Had, so, so I had a friend 
good friend of mine that played at Incarnate Word. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to pick Incarnate Word. Yeah, I think that's the right choice. I think Incarnate Word is going to stomp them. Emily Miller, what about you? Um, I I think Furman was the game I watched last week, and I didn't enjoy it. So I'll go Incarnate Word. Yeah, they played. Elon. I don't you. Yeah, I didn't like that game. It wasn't exciting for me. But I don't even know if I said that school right. Incarnate Word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, interesting matchup now. Richmond, the Spiders taking the trip cross country to face the Big Sky champion Sacramento State Hornets. Now, Sac State is 0-2 in the playoffs in their career. And uh, I talked a little bit about this this week on Big Sky Big Takes. Richmond is a pretty stout team in a lot of ways. They're top 15 in a lot of different defensive categories, offensive categories. Um, could be a challenge, but Sac State has you know shown that they can handle tough challenges. So, Tom Stackruck. Taking the spiders or you like the Hornets? And I know where the spiders recruit and I know how many athletes are in that area. And I know how athletic that team is going to be. And I so badly want to pick the upset. Just can't. But I'm, I just can't because I just, I just remember watching being up at Wildcat stadium and watching Sacramento play and their, and their run game and, and how efficient they are and coach Taylor. So I'm, I'm not going to pick the upset. I'm going to go with Sacramento state. Okay. Tom's saying, I thought there was going to be a joke about spiders eat hornets and something like that. And I was like, that's our McKay. What about you, man? You like Richmond or you like sack? Well, if, if sack wins, um, it'll be their I mean, first playoff victory ever. It, and am I am I looking at this? For, oh no, they're not on the same side of the bracket as as Weber, are they? Or are they? Am I looking at this right? Yeah, no, they're then on the opposite side of us. Oh, okay. Uh, so so then, uh, they would. So they, they could would, meet. The only way of us meeting them again would be in the semis, final, or in the championship. Yeah, it'd be the final. Or sorry, it would be the championship. Holy cow! I forgot yeah. how brackets work for a sec. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I gotta go sack. Okay, uh, I, I gotta go sack. They've they've been. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's 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 almost like a, a Weber like a Weber State like transformation that has. Uh, when we played sack, they were never they were like kind of a, a decent team, and and these last couple of years they've been um, awesome. And the, the reason I make the Weber State comparison is. Um, when I first got to Weber, we were not super great. And then senior year, we were great ever since then, they've been really awesome. So, uh, I, I think that they've, you know, they've got it figured out over there and, and hopefully they can put it together in the playoffs. But I, I think that they win this one against Richmond. Okay. I'm actually taking Richmond guys. We have a saying at Weber state weekly, you never lose to the green teams. And that extends beyond the Wildcats. You don't lose to the green teams. Other teams should also not lose to the green teams. I think the Richmond Spiders get it done. I think they upset Sack. And I think it's tough because part of me wants Sack to win because even though they're a green team, it's good for the conference, right? Weaver State is in the Big Sky Conference, and that's good. And that, you know, brings all this prestige, blah, 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 whatever. But man, do I hate the green teams. They're just so annoying. So I can't do it. I'm going with the Spiders. Emily Miller? What about you? I have two takes on this. One of I'm going Richmond and here's okay. my, here's my reasoning. So I'm not going to go for a big sky school other than Weber state until Weber state's not in the discussion. So I'm all Weber state. Sac state's got to go. 
Also, people yes. always point out Montana State has had close games this season. We can't forget about Sac State. Like, they've blown out some teams, but they've Ooh. also had just Ooh. as many close games as blew- we have, as Montana State has. They they didn't beat, and this is the point that I made on Big Sky Big Takes this week, was that Sac State is not an overpowering team. When they've actually played a quality opponent, they've survived by the skin of their teeth every single time. They did it against Montana. They did it against us. They did it against Idaho. They had to come back to beat Idaho in the final moments of that game. They just, and same thing against Davis. They had to hold on because Davis was driving at the end of the game and they bungled the clock and they lost by three, right? But like, no, exactly. when they played a quality opponent, they have not blown anybody out. They didn't even blow out Utah Tech. No. So and that's my big I'm not a that's believer. my claim. People are forgetting that Sac State has also had close games. And I want to watch until Weber State is in the playoffs. So I'm gonna be a Weber State fan. No Sting nope. is down. Sting is down. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Those are good points. The thing is, that just makes me a bigger believer in sex. <laughs> <laughs> they can get it done in close games. I, right? I think I think that's the mark of a really good team is being able to find ways to win those close games. And so I'll give you guys your Richmond pick, but uh, we'll see. Spoken it like just depends if somebody can catch Asher O'Hara in the air. That's like, oh, the stupid I jump. can't stand that. I can't, <laughs> but it's fine. Well, McKay's got the experience, folks. He's got those championship rings, uh, so he knows about the pedigree. But final one here tonight, guys, uh, want to talk about Weber State at Montana State. I mean, it's a rematch. It's a close game last time. Montana State's had a week of rest. The Wildcats coming in after a, a win over North Dakota. Who are you taking? Tom? I am going to take Weber State. Damn. And I'm going to say at the end of the game, it's going to be that is the Josh Davis of old. I think Josh Davis is primed to have the best game that he's had in a long, long time. Freshman, freshman year, Josh Davis. I think that's going to be the difference difference maker in the game. All right, pure bedlam. McKay Murphy, what about you? Yeah, I, I think we see. Uh, um, you know, I was talking with Ty McPherson uh, earlier in the week and. Um, the, the thing we had mentioned was actually the 2017 year of the, the losing the SUU then going and beating them. And you, you go and you watch the film on that SUU game. It was really cool because just everyone was, it, it was lights out games by people that ha- hadn't made plays all year, but everyone went down with the, the same, the same goal. And, um, it was just everyone when they had the opportunity to make big plays, they did. And so I think. I think the team this year will come in with a very similar mentality. Um, I'd love to see the Josh Davis of old. I'd love to see um, the Bronson Barron and Ty McPherson connection. And I'd love to see, uh, you know, Winston and and Eddie and a lot of those defensive guys um, just take control of the game. Um, And and so, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, I don't think it needs to be said, but my pick is obviously uh, Weber State. Okay, same. I'm picking the Wildcats because like you said, McKay, I like the 2017 connection. I like the 2019 connection where the Wildcats lose on the road at Montana, then face the Grizz in the quarterfinals, get it done, and go on to face JMU in the semis. Emily Miller, final pick of the day. Who are you taking? Um, 
Tom or McKay said it, but it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same season. And that's what I'm standing by. I just, I just think they're as ready as they can be. And we've talked about it, that chip on their shoulder. I think that's going to take them really far and I'm excited to see what they do. And okay. I, it's Weaver. All right. It is the Wildcats. Everybody picking the Wildcats for this one. So guys uh, on the schedule, of course, just it's week by week at this point. So the Wildcats taking the trip up to Montana, number four, Montana state, 1 PM mountain standard time will be that game. It's on ESPN plus or one of three, one, the wave. My understanding is that if you are in Bozeman, they are, they may have some tickets still through Weber state sports.com. Um, but you probably have your tickets. If you're driving up there, you're probably not wondering about that, but if you didn't, ESPN plus or one of three, one, the wave, that's the way to do it. Uh, wrap up the show. Email us, WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog, WeberStateWeekly.com. I want to thank you to the Signpost's own Emily Miller, to former defensive lineman and longtime Wildcat supporter, McKay Murphy, and former Weber State coach Tom Stackrock for spending some time with us to talk some Wildcat football. I treasure each week as we get to because football season is winding down, so thank you all for taking the time. We'll wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs>